0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is
1: Believe.
0: This is the Believe in Bears podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. What is up, believers, and what is up, Bear
1: Down Nation? I am Cameron Lee. And I am Joey Christopoulos, and today's episode is brought to you by betonline.ag. The wait is finally over. Football is back. It is in full swing. And you might not be at the game this year, but you can still be in on all all the action at BetOnline. Ag from game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props. BetOnline gives you more options to wager than any place online, and there is always that online casino as well. It never closes. So head to BetOnline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, BetOnline.ag and sign up today. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Cameron. I looked into my bag of magic dust, and it looks like the Bears had emptied it out because they fall to the Colts 19-11 in week four at home. Cameron, our first loss in the season.
0: Real quick, Joey, I want to do a new segment where I recap all of the offensive headlines or highlights for the game at the start. I'm going to go ahead and do it real quick. Are you ready? (laughs) Go.
1: Oh, wait, wait. All right. I'm good. Okay. All right. Okay. Yeah. Not a lot to talk about. Not a lot to talk about. Bears come up short. They made it interesting in the end. This game that the Colts just played is exactly how Bears fans and I think the Bears as an organization would like to play. Really great defense. Convert on third down. Hit a couple of shots. Kick some field goals. Couple of touchdowns. Walk out with a win.
0: The Colts looked like, yeah, the Colts looked like the version that the Bears wished that they were. It wasn't exactly an exciting game by either team. It wasn't a whole lot of fun, but it was very uh, fundamentally sound by the Colts. Came out, played very strong defensive football. They ran the ball when they needed to. They hit a couple of shot plays, but for the most part. It was just, hey, let's get a lead and let's not screw this thing up. They, they enforced their will on the defensive side of the ball and were able to run the ball successfully just enough. And it wasn't exactly like they were going out there and blowing up the scoreboard either. But when you are getting into these close games and you've got a, such a strong defense and you're going against an offense that you know you can control, you know, sometimes, sometimes 19 points is enough. And, and it looks like that's how the Colts got it done today.
1: Look, Cameron, don't worry. Don't worry. I'm not going to do what you think I'm going to do, which is just flip out. But look, Bears 4 for 14 on third downs. Let's start in just the first half. Two, you know, not so great drives. I think three and outs on the first two drives. Colts were able to get some points up on the board. Your keys last week previewing this game. We both knew this was going to be a tough matchup, but your keys last week really hit home. Let's just start with offensive mix because – Early on, it was very clear that the offensive line was getting dominated by a Colts defensive front. We were unable to get our running game going, and it really put us on our heels early. Yeah, we needed to come out and establish the run game and keep the mix
0: offensively. That was the big thing that I wanted to see the Bears be able to do. And here was the thing that I took away from those first couple of drives. If you're going to go ahead and make that substitution, if you're going to go ahead and change the quarterbacks, I wanted to see something different. I thought that if they were going to continue to do things the exact same way, they may have been better off with the other guy. That being said, they came out, they tried to do what they tried to put Nick into that role And they were just completely unable to run the ball. Now, the offensive line did not come out and play very well. They got manhandled up front. DeForest Buckner was a heck of a pickup. Justin Houston played super, super well. You know, Grover Stewart is a massive, massive man. That is a good good, uh, front seven for the Indianapolis Colts. And they dominated the line of scrimmage all day. And those first couple of drives, it was very clear, very apparent, very early on that the Bears were not going to be the uh, able to just come out here and establish the line of scrimmage and run the ball and create that mix that you need uh, to, you know, really be a, a well-rounded offense. And, and they, the, the Colts, they really stole the thunder and let that be known from the beginning.
1: I also noticed now, Cameron, to be fair, we're, we're keeping score. Now you are now four and on your picks this season. You did pick the Colts to win this game. I picked the Bears to win 17-13, to 13, 30 combined points. Well, look what happened, 19-11, 30 combined points. I thought it was going to be a low-scoring game. But what I noticed very early was that they were moving the pocket with Nick Foles. They were kind of getting him on the outside edges just a little bit. And we also tried to flip the field and get the Colts to commit to one side and try and burn them on the other side. And, man, the Colts were disciplined. They were on top of it. And that was snuffed out immediately. The, this Colts defense,
0: they didn't fall for anything. They – they were not fooled when the when the pocket moved a little bit, when they tried to roll out, tried to create some things. And, and like we said, you got you got to give credit where credit is due. We're not going to just stand here and, and just beat the crap out of the Bears' offense this entire time. This Colts defense was great and very well disciplined and very well coached. And, you know, I think Frank Reich and that defense, they put together an excellent game plan and they were very well prepared and, and they did all the right things. And they shut down this offense. And, you know, I think the we saw some of the holes that – you know, a lot of people were hoping weren't really there for the Bears offense, but especially when you get off to a 3-0 start. But, I mean, I think it's I think it's apparent now that we've played a, a real team and a real defense, a really good defense,
1: that there's definitely some work, to, to work that needs to be done. We want to talk about Nick Foles in depth, but first let's get it out of the way. Cameron, if Mitch Trubisky was in this game, would he have made a difference? I'll just throw it out there first. I don't think that he would have. You know, the Colts secondary was blanketing our receivers early on and often in this first half. There was a lot of tight windows. Our running game wasn't getting going. And you're saying to yourself, well, maybe a more athletic Mitch Trubisky could have got out of the pocket and burned the Colts linebackers. But they were disciplined. They were staying home. They were keeping their eyes on the ball the whole time. And I just don't think Mitch Trubisky would have had more success than Nick Foles today. And Nick Foles had minimal success at best or I don't know that Mitch comes in and and immediately plays better. What
0: I think is different, though, is the way that the game had been called, the way that the offense had been called. I like the mix that they were able to create earlier on in games that we've seen through these uh, past couple of weeks. And what I mean by that is, the running game was, was set up a little bit differently. There was a lot more motion. There was a lot more just trying to split action in the backfield, a lot more getting guys in different positions. Cordero Patterson may not have always been as a running back, but maybe he gets the ball, or maybe David Montgomery winds up, lines up out wide, or maybe Tariq Cohen, who unfortunately we didn't have today, you know, lines up in different positions. It just creates a different flow and a different uh, – just one more extra thing for the defense to worry about. And that a lot of that is predicated from the legs of Mitch Trubisky, They're just able to do more things. And I think that with a more stagnant Nick Foles, it creates a more stagnant offense. Do I think that you insert Mitch and all of a sudden this thing, just is just so much better. No, I don't, but I do believe that if they were going to come out and try and run the ball and, and do things the way they were doing before, I don't think that they would have been any worse off having Mitch in that situation.
1: Unfortunately, it was a drastic step backwards for the running game today. So let's talk about Nick Foles a little bit here where I want to hear about what you like, what you didn't like. And in regards to it felt like they were trying to mix in Nick Foles under center a lot more. We've talked about in the past and we've seen it throughout his catalog as an NFL quarterback. He's mostly a shotgun passer, RPOs. They try to mix him in under center. Did you like that call? Did you think that? It didn't do us any favors in terms of our looks. And what did you like and didn't like from Nick Foles today? I, what I did like from Nick Foles was definitely his
0: poise. You know, there are just times where he just seems like a professional quarterback. He seems to be able to, to read the pocket and understand certain situations and throw the right ball at the right touch and just make certain reads that we've said in the past. that we don't think that Mitch makes on the flip side of that. You know, him having to go from being an almost exclusively from the gun quarterback to all of a sudden now we're trying to mix in the same running attack that we've had for the first couple weeks and now he's under center. You know, little things like that that we just kind of take for granted as football fans. We're like, yeah, they can do that. They can do that. That's easy. And it's not just so easy, you know, making your reads from from a different position, changing the amount of steps on your drop back, changing the timing, all those things, all those things matter. And we got to consider here that we're talking about a quarterback who, whether he's a veteran or not, whether he's been in these big big spots or not. This man has not had the experience with this group. He has not had preseason. He didn't have offseason. He didn't get to start for three games. And now we're going to come in here and we're going to put him, insert him into a position that he's not used to being in against the number one defense in the league and expect that this thing is just going to go smoothly. That doesn't make any sense. So, I mean, I think that there's just all these different, you know, factors that are kind of floating around. And now we're going to like we said before we're gonna you know last week the bears are down 16 points when he gets in the game they're coming from the gun everyone knows what's going to happen and now we're going to come in and try and establish the running game and be this you know well-rounded offensive machine we're running under center that's just not how it works and there's just no continuity to it there's no flow to it
1: and so to come in and just expect it to just to just work like magic that's that's just not realistic and we talked about it this was one of our not our keys, but one of the highlights that we were looking at moving in this game is we said that this was week one. We got three three games under our belt. This is week one. Time to go. Let's see what the Bears are made of. Unfortunately for Nick Foles, he doesn't really qualify for that category because this is truly you know, his real week one as the starter with the number one team on offense. And it was just curious to see where they tried to do some things and they were successful at times in the second half. I really liked one of the plays where he was under center. They brought a fullback and they were in an I formation and hit a play action for Allen Robinson for 16 yards. I like that because you're selling out that you're going to try and really run the ball when it hasn't been working. You were able to burn them in that sense, but it just seemed like from Nick Foles from under center, it really just didn't work early on. They had to get away from it because they were down in the game, and then you were right, one-dimensional, just shotgun only, taking David Montgomery out of the game, which we were really keying on, hoping that he was going to be able to provide us with some contributions. It just didn't work out today. And for this Bears team moving forward, this Bears offense, still a work in progress.
0: You know, this team can hit shots, and I think that they can hit shots off of their play action. I think that they should be able to – to move Nick around in the pocket and try and do more things. I'd like to see more I'd like to see more of 12 personnel. I'd like to see more fullback in the game, more of those things. I think that when they with Nick under center or Nick in the quarterback position at least they're going to be a bit more one-dimensional than they were with Mitch. And that's my greatest concern is that this offense that was having success through the first couple of weeks, a lot of that success was predicated on a, on a successful run, rushing attack, and I hope that that doesn't just go away now that we have a different style of quarterback back there.
1: And credit to the Colts as well. It seemed like every little cute gadgety play that we ran, they were right on top of it. They were right on top of our screens. They were right on top of our quick you know, bubble passes to wide receivers on the outside, which, as I mentioned before, they tried to flip the field you know, get some passes, going to the other side of the field and bring the defense the other way. It didn't work. They stayed home every single time. And for Nick Foles, not to go back around the block a little bit, but back to the positive sides, I was really encouraged by seeing him able to make those throws that I don't think Mitch Trubisky can make. Like you said, standing in the pocket, holding out, got one look, not there, second look, middle of the field, make the throw, make the completion. In general, I felt like his hits downfield were a little hit and miss today. It felt like that there was a couple opportunities. We, as Bears fans, this entire game were still in the game. It was crazy. We had three points, but we were in this game the entire time. It felt like we were just on the precipice of chance and opportunity the entire time. And those misses, unfortunately, came up pretty huge. And Foles made some plays downfield, but he missed some too as well. Yeah, you could definitely see that he's still
0: working on getting that chemistry and getting that timing down with these guys. It makes such a big difference in in the route running and the timing and, you know, the way the ball is thrown and, and trying to hit guys where they want the ball to be thrown. It just makes a big difference. And to go from one quarterback to the next and doing all this different changing, you know, that stuff's just going to come with time. And I can't make that any more, any more clear. You know, some of those easy throws early on where you're just like, oh, just – just a little overthrow on Darnell Mooney or Jimmy Graham or whoever it may be, that's just timing, and it's just going to take reps. And so you got precip- to be patient with it for um, for Nick Foles and this offense to really start to gel. And those are those are things that will come, but you just got to continue to be
1: to be patient with it. Cameron, I got to ask you one aspect that the Bears had solidified heading into this week four that really just could not get it going today. I want you to grade the offensive line and and what you saw and what you like and didn't like from that group today. The offensive line did not
0: play well. They didn't play well across the board. I mean, if I had to put a grade on it, I'm probably being generous here. I'm saying C minus. I mean, we knew that this Colts front was going to be tough. We knew that from the jump, but man, the left side, the left side got beat in the rush, the rush and the pass game, Justin Houston, with his uh, up and underneath move on Charles Leno Jr. getting back into Foles' lap pretty quickly, you know, and, and you can't beat a guy up over this stuff because offensive line is such a tough position, and one bad play is what they'll remember. But there are so many plays we're we're just watching the this defensive line is making contact with the offensive line, and the offensive line is playing. You know, one yard, two yards behind line of scrimmage—it's just so tough, and that's the hardest way to get the running game established. They were able to to beat our double teams. Reaches were really unsuccessful. We didn't have a great bit of luck getting to the second level. The linebackers came through and made big plays. It just wasn't really a great game across the board. So I got to give my guys a C minus, and and I know that they will—they'll—they'll they'll come back. They if they are a better group than that. They've proven that through the first couple weeks, uh, but today they definitely were
1: beat by a better group. I'm going to go C-minus as well. I can't go any lower because I didn't play the position, but it was not a good effort today. Charles Leno, as you mentioned, your boy, did not have a great game. Cody Whitehair seemed like he was getting pushed back and in the backfield six yards deep on several different occasions. And even when they lost Darius Leonard at one point, I think in the third quarter, you know, my ears perked up a little bit and see, okay, let's see if we can exploit that. But as you said, Justin Jefferson, DeForest Buckner again, were around the ball all day long. And it just wasn't easy for this squad and the numbers got skewed very deeply i mean we ended up throwing i think 42 passes in the game it was fairly balanced 50 50 through the first half maybe into the third quarter but just had to bail on that entire concept of as you said an offensive mix a balance that you wanted to see just couldn't do it couldn't make it happen and unfortunately they didn't let him get, let him get to the quarterback too often but in terms of plays, bread and butter plays to move the chains, give ourselves some chances. It just became made us so one dimensional today and unfortunately a step backward against a very talented unit. And you mentioned that they didn't
0: necessarily get to the quarterback, but you gotta understand this, guys. It's not all about sacks when we're grading offensive line play. A lot of the times, you know, when the defense is able to Force the quarterback to step up, to force him to make a read that he doesn't want to make, change his arm angle, change his launch point from the pocket. It just makes a big difference. And there were times where the pocket was just collapsing. So it's not all about sacks. You were able to see those guys that we mentioned. You know, Justin Houston. Justin Houston was was in the backfield a lot, and obviously, like, we mentioned Grover Stewart, and we mentioned. Uh, I mean, this whole this whole group. DeForest Buckner, obviously, DeForest Buckner had a heyday, and so. <laughs> I mean, they, they made it hard on Foles. That's con- that contributes so much to this timing concept that we're talking about as well. Just those little things, just that timing. And, and man, the, the offensive line, you know, they're part of it. They're part of the passing game too. Everyone contributes. There is no more team game than this game. And everyone's got to do their part. And, I mean, the offense looked bad across the board. And the offensive line has to, has to wear their fair share of that.
1: Let's talk about the receivers real quick. Allen Robinson, stat line, looks great. Seven catches, 101 yards, one touchdown, but a bit of an up and down performance again. Balls again, squeezing out after receptions that turn into incompletions, thankfully, 50-50 balls. He isn't exactly winning on those all time, except for that touchdown catch, which was absolutely a fantastic play. Darnell Mooney, again, nine targets, five catches, 52 yards. He was able to contribute again. He is a guy that is getting open, but I really want to ask you about Anthony Miller. He keeps creeping up every single pod. We keep talking about him. Again, felt like he disappeared in the first half, second half. Made a couple of catches, but again, we were driving. We had an opportunity to get in the red zone. What did you see on that pass from Nick Foles that went off of Anthony Miller's hands into the arms of a Colts defender for an interception? Bad ball, Anthony Miller. What did you see on that play? I
0: I thought that was bad play by Anthony Miller, and I, I don't know how to break it down and be kinder about it. You know whether the timing was off, whether it was a bad ball, all those things, man. You're there. You're there. You, you got to make that play, and and it, it's it's unfortunate when it ends up in an interception. I mean, because it's just it doesn't get any worse than that. But yeah, that's a play that's got to be made, and we're talking about Anthony Miller every single week as being you know the predecessor to Allen Robinson and being being the guy. And man, those are plays that the guy just has to make, and it's just really unfortunate that that's the way it turned out. And but yeah, I, I think you got to put that on Anthony Miller. You you're there. That
1: ball's on you that's a play that's got to be made. And that was a crushing drive too. And look, I'm a novice, but watching Anthony Miller, I feel like he really struggles when his catch radius has to extend past his arm length. He really struggles figuring out whether to dive, how to position his body correctly. It almost felt like he began to dive and it went lower and the pass was higher than maybe it needed to be. I need to go back and watch the film. We haven't, you know, this is first blush for us right now, recapping this game. But in those moments right there, it just seems like he gives himself. It makes it harder for him to make a catch. Seemed to be wide open right there in the middle. Goes off his fingers, interception, turnover, didn't need that. And it really just kind of turned the tide and made things a lot tougher to come back for later in the game. Some guys just have a knack
0: for making the big play. And those are the guys that oftentimes end up being you know, the man in the offense. And Anthony Miller does a lot of things right and makes some big plays, but there are just times where – man, you really need to come up with that ball. You absolutely have to do whatever it takes to come up with that ball. And, you know, sometimes, you know, he's proven throughout the year that he can he can get in the end zone and make big plays, but, man, sometimes it hurts more to not make the big play than it, you know, than the upside of making it. You know what I mean? And that's the situation where it, how do you, you just got to come up with that ball.
1: And offensively, the Bears had 269 team yards on offense. The Colts coming into the game – we're giving up 244. So we kind of knew what to expect from this Colts defense. They showed up. It was ugly. It didn't work out on the offensive side of the ball. I want to hear your thoughts on the defensive side of the ball. They gave up 19 points. Let's just start at the top. What grade would you give the defense for this game in week four? I'm going
0: to give the defense a B B+. I thought they came out I thought they played pretty well. Obviously there's too many penalties and some and some mistakes here and there, but I mean, they came out and gave up 19 points in a competitive game against an offense that does have some does have some some firepower. Uh you know, they they don't necessarily have this passing attack totally figured out yet but it has been a successful running running attack and I think they came out and they played very well so I mean there are definitely things that can be improved upon I want to see fewer penalties I want to see you know this team continue to get to the quarterback I want to see them force more turnovers but at the end of the day you know 19 points that's a lot oftentimes that's enough to that's uh, keeping a team under 20 that's that should be enough to win football games so you can't beat them up too much about that I'm I would say I'm happy and I would give them a B plus for today.
1: I can't agree more. Give up 19 points. You should win the game. I'm going to give them a B today. I can't go B plus because if you look at the Colts third down stats, they were able to convert on third down. Three of those first downs on third down came from penalties. You mentioned it. That discipline there, that just can't happen. That's just a free pass. And 19 points again. But look, Khalil Mack dropped an interception, which would have been in the red zone. Again, Roquan Smith, picking off a pass in the end zone that gets overturned that turned into three points it could have been even less cameron how many turnovers are we going to have overturned this season 12 15 16. I'm i'm not saying that i disagree with the call because he was out of bounds but we talk all the time about the bears They're so lucky on offense. They come back from 16 points down. They're the miracle team. They don't deserve anything. But let's be honest, if you're really watching these Bears games, I I count it now, I think this is four or five different turnovers, game-breaking plays that have even been reversed by official review or by a penalty. It's just not bouncing the the way of the the Bears' defense right now. The good teams
0: make sure that those things happen their way. They they just do. They just have a knack for – being in the right place at the right time, avoiding those close calls or the things that end up going against you. And I think that's just part of culture. That's part of, part of, you know, chemistry. That's part of, you know, just luck sometimes. (laughs) And so I, you know, it sucks. It's unfortunate, but you know, the one that I want to come back to is just, is just the Khalil Mack interception, you know, Khalil Mack, you are by so many people's eyes. You're the best defensive player in football. Many people think you're, you know, the best player in football, you got to come down with that ball, you know, like stuff like this. He takes it out. And and if he doesn't, they're in, they're they're in the red zone. You know I mean? This, these opportunities, especially for an offense that struggles an offense that is not, you know, the bread and butter of this team. It's their defense. We're just counting on this defense to, you know, when you get an opportunity like that, you just got to come up with it. It's just, it's just tough. It's just tough. So yeah, obviously there's been lots of plays. There were two touchdowns last week that came off the board for the bears. There's just stuff all over the place. But good teams get through that. Really good teams, they find a way. And right now, the Bears don't look like a team capable of finding a way.
1: One player I do want to highlight on the defensive side of the ball, because I liked what I saw was Roquan Smith. Roquan
0: Smith. Can we talk
1: a little bit about Roquan Smith real quick, not just on the interception, but he was flying around the football all day long. He did get juked by Naheem Hines on one play, which was an excellent play by Hines. But otherwise the dude was everywhere on the field, tackling every single person with a blue Jersey. He looked fantastic today. Roquan
0: had 11 tackles. Next highest player on the team was eight by Tayshawn Gibson. Roquan looks like, you know, the productivity that we're expecting and that we hope for from that linebacker position. And, and I know we keep coming back to this a lot, but I mean, he's making up for a lot of the, of what we're not seeing from Danny Trevathan because he's flying all over the place. He's covering lots of space. He's able to keep up with line or with running backs out of the backfield. He does get bullied a little bit by tight ends. I think it was Jack Doyle or Mo Cox, one of those bigger tight ends that bullied him a little bit on a play over the middle, but no, he's all over the place. He plays with great hustle, great intensity. I I love watching him just fly around, you know, plays with great
1: technique and man, he's, he's a physical player. He's a fun guy to watch. More of that, please. Because he looks like he's coming into his own. I was talking to my buddies today, like, He looks like a fully formed NFL linebacker, like he's ready to roll, and he could be on path to a Pro Bowl season right now. I want to talk about Matt Nagy. We haven't done a lot of coach talk recently, but there's a couple areas I just kind of want to ask you about. The first one is just probably the general rhetoric that's going to be going around. Sports Talk Radio, Bears fans tomorrow. Did Matt Nagy bail on the run, or was it just – Him recognizing that the run wasn't working, you're losing the game, you have to throw the football. Did he commit to the run this week, or do you feel like he got away from it a little bit because he had the new toy Foles behind center?
0: I don't think he necessarily bailed on it because because it wasn't working. I I mean, I think he made an educated decision, and I don't think this was, oh, we've got Foles. We're going to just come out and be an all-pass team. The running game was not working. And so – you know, there's probably a little bit of both in that. Obviously, you've got Foles. You put Foles in that position to see him throw the ball downfield and to see them become a pass heavier offense. But that being said, you know they came out in those first couple of drives. They tried to run the ball, and but when you see David Montgomery running into his offensive lineman in the backfield, there's not much you can do about that. They were just unable to create the push that they needed to to create. And some of that's probably schematic. Some of that is probably just running up against really good defense. But you know when you get down when you get down to these games and you're playing an old gunslinger on the other team at the quarterback position, you know sometimes you gotta you kind of revert to that gunslinger mentality yourself. And obviously, you know ended up calling for 42 pass plays for the Bears today. Nick Foles actually out through uh, Philip Rivers by quite a bit, and I mean the rushing attack was just was pretty dismal. So I don't think this is so much Net- Matt Nagy saying. Hey, I'm gonna come out and throw the ball exclusively. I think he wanted to have that mix, realized it wasn't gonna happen. Now, whether that be flawed in the scheme or flaws from the scheme, or it just wasn't gonna work, but he uh, he quickly abandoned ship.
1: Bears were still down two scores, and Bears went for it on fourth down, fourth and two in the fourth quarter. Ended up getting a pass interference penalty, which worked. That was out. our best play of the day. I, it was a, <laughs> I, I felt like it was a questionable call at the time. Personally, I'm glad that it worked out. I guess we had to go for it or it was game at that point. I have no problem with them going for it. I don't.
0: At that point, if, okay, as a Bears fan who was pretty tired of watching the game, either they get it and, hell, that's the first exciting thing that we've seen all day, or they don't and I can shut it off and, you know, put me out of my misery. But fourth and two... You know they've got David Montgomery. They've got this running back that, you know, for the most part today hasn't been great, but has been able to to overcome contact and get to the line of scrimmage and gain a couple yards all season long, right? And they come out fourth and two, and they throw a 32-yard ball down the field to the running back, and it was the best play we had all day on account of defensive pass interference. Is that what you would have done?
1: I'm glad it worked out. It was a total head shaker. I don't understand it at all. I don't understand also why quarterbacks and offenses around the NFL on third and short or even fourth and short do that play action and take that shot downfield. I get it. You think that you got the defense on your heels because they're all buying in. But at the same time, just the percentages aren't really in line for me on that particular area in that situation. So I just don't really understand that. The one that I really want to ask you about, though, is Colts got the football. We're down two scores, six minutes to go. And I believe on a third and five, we took our first timeout. And then I'm going to get this wrong because I didn't rewatch the game, but I believe around four minutes, maybe 3.49, maybe a little bit further back, they call their second timeout. I'm in staunch disagreement with that mentality and that philosophy. And maybe it's the Madden mentality in me, but those timeouts in the second half are so precious and our gold. And if you really want to come back and you really want to win two scores down, you're going to need those three timeouts. You guys score the first touchdown first. You got to get the ball back and then you can play around, but you don't burn those timeouts. Did you agree or disagree with using those timeouts in those situations?
0: I can see it both ways. I mean, being an offensive guy, I would like to hold the timeouts for offense, but I can see the philosophy that if they don't come out and have fresh enough defense to make stops, that it's not going to matter anyway. And I think that was kind of a part of it from last week. You know, the, the, Nick Foles really credited the defense to the comeback saying that if they didn't come out and make those stops, if they weren't fresh, if they weren't able to make those plays, then none of it would have mattered anyway. And I think that's probably, that probably contributes to part of it. If you don't have the fresh defense and you can't make that play and you're out of position, you don't have the right guys and the right personnel in the right situation then it really doesn't matter how many passes Nick Foles can throw if you're already down anyway. So I think there's probably some of that. But, yeah, me being an offensive guy, I would much rather have those timeouts in my pocket and be able to carry those uh, into those plays that give us the opportunity to score points and hopefully get us back you know, closer on the scoreboard.
1: And unfortunately and most likely, that was the rub, right, where after they called the first timeout, I believe it was six minutes on third and five, they cut to Hakeem next. You know, he's, you know, he's trying to catch his breath. They were probably pretty gassed that laboring. time. Laboring. Yeah, la- laboring is the kind way of putting it. <laughs> and at that point, you want to just get out of that situation. Of course, Philip Rivers, I believe, threw the Trey Burton where Eddie Jackson stood him up. And Trey Burton was able to spin out and get hard yards for three downs for the first down, which was a real backbreaker. It just really, it, it stinks. And obviously, it's huge hindsight, right? Because you score the touchdown, you get the two-point conversion. It's 1911. I believe at that point, there was 145 left in the game. And then you do the onside. Even if you don't get the onside, you still have three timeouts to get the ball back with a minute 20, minute 30, or whatever to try and score. So, in hindsight, it hurts. I just know in Madden, those things are just so precious. And I have the optimism in my defense to be able to stop them in those moments and get the ball back because you need those timeouts when you're actually going to try and tie the game. But I understand your perspective as well, which sounds more like a human, realistic perspective of people who've actually been on the field.
0: I've never been a coach. I've never called a timeout in my life. I'm just spitballing. I'm just going with what with what my gut's telling me. And and that's my gut is taking its best guess as to what Matt Nagy was thinking.
1: The best way to call a timeout is the 22nd when you touch your shoulders. That's the coolest move. That's the yeah, that's the coolest move. I had a I had, I had a high timeout.
0: school official. There was a high school official in my uh, my basketball conference who would say snack size or super size. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Cameron, the sky is falling for Bears fans right now. We've lost our first game. We're three and one, but it's a quick turnaround. We're gonna get into it in depth with the preview with the Buccaneers right now, but let's just start here. Are the Bears ready for prime time? Yeah. I, I don't I don't know what's the right answer to say to
0: that. They got we got Thursday night, we got the GOAT Tom Brady. I mean, coming off of a tough loss, kinda coming off of a short week. Yeah. Yeah, we are. Because I don't, you have to be right. You know, granted these short weeks, these short situations. I don't think you're going to see anyone anyone play their best. They these sort of matchups tend to uh, tend to bode well for the offenses. It's normally lots of points. You know, so hopefully this maybe this could. Uh, could mean good things for the bears offense. If I trusted one side of the ball after four games, it would be the bears defense anyway. So hopefully they're able to, uh, you know, come out and play well on the defensive side of the ball. And so I think they're prepared for Thursday night, the bears offense. We'll see.
1: Let's just at least say right now in general, that they're going to have perhaps an easier time moving the football against the Buccaneers than they just had against the Colts. The Buccaneers have allowed multiple touchdowns to three of their first four opponents They've allowed over 300 passing yards that two of their last three quarterbacks faced. There's going to be more opportunities. There's a lot to talk about because this Bears defense, again, holding water, but still waiting to see that game when they dominate, when they get those turnovers. Can that happen against a Buccaneers team and Tom Brady who just threw five touchdowns? It's a big, huge wait and see. But I do think that the Bears offense is going to have a better showing. I think that when everyone had the enthusiasm and optimism about the Nick Foles era and let's see what he's got now that he's under the helm, I think we might see a better representation of that this week on Thursday than we just did against this Colts team.
0: When you think about it, we're coming in, you know, we were talking about how Nick Foles just needs more reps. He just needs more time and he just just needs more chemistry. Let's throw him out there in another five days, see how much work he got done. He's not going to practice this week. You know, there's there's no practice this week, and we're just going to throw them out there and just say, yeah, it's better now. It's fixed.
1: The Bears are 3-1, and one, and as we've mentioned before, we're very happy to walk into this game 3-0. and oh. The fact that we've lost is not a, a, a world breaker. It's not a season ender by any stretch of the imagination. I think the Bears have a lot more work to do. I think we were hopeful that they were going to come out and show us the team that I think we can hopefully count on for the rest of the season. It didn't happen today. We're still a work in progress, but we're three and one. It doesn't feel that terrible.
0: We're three and one, and you're saying it doesn't feel that terrible. I, man, I hate to be this guy through three through three wins. I didn't feel that great, and now I, I don't feel that great after a loss. I'm trying not to be Debbie Downer Bears fan and death. I'm definitely not overreacting. I never was too hyped through the, throughout this whole thing and. I don't know, man. I I just don't know that on Thursday night against the Buccaneers that we're going to get this thing back on track. So I'm trying to be positive.
1: I really am. So question for you. Buccaneers notwithstanding, just moving forward in general, for the next month, what would you rather see? Would you rather see the Bears get back to 130, 145 rushing yards a game, the thing that they've done the first three weeks, or would you rather see Nick Foles take the vertical passing game to another level? What do you think long-term is better for the Bears offense moving forward? Can I just have both? Can I just
0: have a solid? I don't need to have the best rushing attack and I don't need to have the best passing attack. But man, I would like to have a marriage of the two. And that's what we're yet to see. So if you're asking me which one would I rather see, I got to go with the vertical passing game. Although my offensive lineman roots and my, my hard-nosed conservative attitude are really upset with me in this decision.
1: Well, that's where I'm going to zag where you're zigging right now, where I'm going to go with the running game, because let's be honest, we've talked all along about Nick Foles making professional football throws, doing stuff in the red zone that Mitch Trubisky can't do, seeing the field on a second level that maybe Mitch Trubisky can't see. If we can get that running game back, maybe we get those three, four, five plays that Nick Foles can make that Mitch Trubisky can't, and maybe in the long run, that's what our offense is going to look like. But let me counter that. I know that our defense is going to play well. I know that our
0: defense is going to keep us in games. It's not going to be a matter of of just coming out and just being close. We're going to have to score points. We're you know we I, I want to see them be able to to win games by coming out and having this effective offense. So I think that at some point, at some point, they're going to have to you know really come out and put big points on the board. So I, I want to see. I, I want to see this vertical passing attack. I, I want to see Alan Robinson continue to be great. I want to see, you know, Darnell Mooney, you know, keep up the pace he's on. I want to see Anthony Miller get going. I want to see Jimmy Graham continue to press the over and keep scoring those tuddies and making us look like geniuses like, like we are.
1: Bears lose 19-11 to the Colts in week four. They are now 3-1. and one. They got a quick turnaround because they're playing the Tampa Bay Buccaneers Thursday night on Thursday night football. Cameron, it's going to be masochistic, but we're going to dive into the All-22. And listeners of this pod, we are coming back early next week because of the early game. We're going to be back Wednesday morning with a preview of Bears versus Buccaneers. We're going to dive in-depth about what just happened in this game and see if we can perhaps correct some things, and hopefully Matt and Aggie can do as well. And then we're going to be back Thursday night, early Friday morning, with another pod recapping Bears versus Buccaneers. But until then, Cameron, we're going to lick our wounds, take us home on a great but unvictorious episode.
0: You've been listening to the Believe in Bears podcast and the Believe Podcast Network. Please make sure to check us out for our... Uh, pre-game show this week on Tuesday, a special Tuesday episode of the Believe in Bears podcast. Uh, make sure that you subscribe to our show on all the podcast platforms. That way you never miss us. And uh, always remember to bear down. You have been listening to the Believe and Bears podcast on the Believe Podcast Network.